Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. So this is Father John Pietropoli. I'm here with Father John Bender. And today we thought we would talk a little bit about the Bible. So I was just thinking of this story. Father John, welcome, first thank of you. all. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was thinking of this story that happened to me a few, couple of years ago. I was over in Rome, and this man comes up to me on the street, and he said, do you know what the word Bible means? Just randomly, never seen him before. <laughs> and I said, actually, I do. I'm studying Greek right now, and I know what it means. Biblia means the books yeah. in Greek. And he said, no, no, no. Bible means Best information before leaving Earth. B I B L E. And I thought that's pretty good. That is Obviously, pretty good. the Bible yeah. is so much more than that, but it is also the best yeah. information before leaving Earth. So I wanted to just begin, Father John, by asking you, maybe just give me a little bit of an overview. What's your relationship with the Word of God in the Bible been like? Yeah, thanks. That's a. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, for any of us that are looking to read the Bible and are, are hoping to find, um, something there that, that it really, mm, the Bible is living. Right. And so for me personally, I've found so much inspiration, um, comfort, guidance, strength, courage, uh, consolation, and also uh, challenge. You know, I think the Bible also can, can challenge me to uh, think about what I believe, think about how I'm living, and and then to think about possible growth, change, improvement, acceptance—all these things that you know that we, as we move along in life, we 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 are faced with you know different questions, and and so uh, I definitely have found in the Bible um, a, a certain book of direction or or guidance and a rock. Um, in different moments. Okay. Yeah. Book of direction, guidance, a rock. Yeah. Now a practical question. So it's a big book yeah. or literally actually as the title implies, Biblia books. It's a collection of books, almost like a, a library you could say yeah. of books. And maybe a question that a lot of people have is where do I start? How do yeah, I actually yeah, yeah. read Absolutely. the Bible? Do I just jump into Leviticus right away or what do I do? Yeah, definitely. Leviticus is probably the best place to start. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, there, there's two people I would say right now. Uh, well, no, I'm sure there's a lot more, but there's two I think that um, are worth mentioning right now. And, and that is Jeff Cavins and Father Mike Schmitz. Those two, they're actually working together. Um, Father Mike Schmitz is is doing, um, I'm sure as many of you know, the Bible in a year at Ascension Press. It's on all the major platforms. It's unbelievable. And he's doing such an amazing job. So thank you, Father Mike, for that. Jeff Cavins um, developed uh, or or provided a way, it's called the canonical way. So it it is something that has existed before. Um, St. Augustine references it. It's the way to read the Bible according to the story, the narrative that exists. So in, instead of taking Genesis and reading till Revelation, going through all 73 books from start to finish, um, they developed or they put together a reading list of the 14 narrative books. And so you follow the story of the Bible through those 14 books and you you get a whole kind of the, the overarching uh, 
narrative that that is the Bible. And the other books then are are fit into those different moments uh, um, when they come when they come in, right? And so those two those two people, first of all, are doing such an amazing job. So anybody that is really wants to take a deep dive into the Bible, I totally recommend going over to Ascension Press, Spotify, iTunes, wherever, and get involved with the Bible in a year. Um, if they're following through 365 days, that that exact 14 book narrative, right? Which which is very helpful. So because Jeff Cavins, he has a, he he jokes a lot that everybody that you know makes a, that New Year's resolution resolution to read the Bible, they get to about March because that's when you run into Leviticus, you know, and, and, and it's so boring and it's just a bunch yeah. of rules and all that. Yeah, actually, I want to key off of something you just said there, a word that you used a couple of times which I thought was really interesting, that word narrative. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that and actually teaching a lot about that in classes, how it seems to me in the end, there are really only two narratives. There's God's yeah. narrative and then there's Satan's narrative. Yeah. And actually, Satan's narrative is just a warping of God's narrative ultimately. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to consider that in the Bible, how maybe we could say God's narrative is actually present throughout sacred scripture. And I was wondering if you could say a little more about that, just for you, how do you see God's narrative unfolding throughout sacred scripture? Because it's so much more exciting to see scripture in that way, isn't it? Than just maybe a a collection of loosely related texts. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. I think, you know, any good book has a story, right? And and that's or in any good movie, really. There's a story that flows, and and the the Bible has a overarching story, right? That that ultra narrative. And actually, I've been reflecting a lot recently on God's promise, right? God's promise to uh, to His people or to a people, really, to each one of us, you know. And I and I think that could be an interesting that can be an interesting ref- perspective for that that overarching narrative is that. God is faithful to his promises. God first called Abraham, the beginning, the catechism talks about Abraham as the inauguration of the economy of salvation, right? Obviously through sin, man, uh, the human person, we lost the likeness, still created in the image, but we lost the likeness and that that needed to be restored and there was nothing man could do to restore it, right? It needed to be something divine, uh, but also human, right? To, to restore that. And so that, that overarching story then, it becomes the the history of salvation this promise of god to restore humankind to that likeness which is which is his likeness and ultimately restore that relationship of love that he's desired to have with us from all eternity and so i think the bible really then becomes a story of that of god's promise of restoration the the ways he teaches the people to to know him so the way he reveals himself to the people in the old testament especially and how he calls and encourages and strengthens and 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 then fulfills in the end through Christ the passion death and resurrection restores that heavenly likeness that god that likeness to god um and then how afterwards that promise continues in the church right it continues with the mission of Christ and the holy spirit that then is the church that sacrament visible sacrament of god's mission and love in the world um and I think there's probably also other ways to to talk about that, but that personally has just been a, a theme that's been very helpful. And when I look at the, the the whole, the unity, the whole thing, the whole Bible itself. 
That's very inspiring because it puts it in the context of relationship, God's relationship yeah. with us and our response to him as he's faithful to his promises and has, yeah. as those unfold yeah. throughout history. Yeah. And the Bible, the Bible, or excuse me, the breviary actually has a great um, phrase. It's one of the responses to a, a reading or, um, or to, to a, like a morning prayer, evening prayer. I don't remember exactly which one, but it says, the Lord stands by my side. All my trust is in his promise. And I think that's just a great attitude uh, or disposition of, of, of our souls towards this reality of, of God's love and God's plan for our life. That the Lord stands by me so I can have confidence and know that he's by my side. And all my trust is in his promise. That promise that he is going to be there, he's going to be faithful, he's going to, he's, and, and it's going to be okay in the end, ultimately, right? Which is what we all desire when we face challenges and difficulties is like, is it going to be okay? And God says, yes, yes, it's going to be okay. Believe in my promise, right? Trust my promise um, and because I'm faithful. Yeah, I think that's an enormously important perspective because maybe we could say in some sense from our vantage point, our relationship with God boils down to trust in yeah. the end. He's always faithful. That never changes. Right. For us, though, there's always that invitation to trust. Yeah. And you're saying that that's one way, a very powerful way of reading the Bible is actually through that lens of God's promise and our trust in that promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that brings me to another point, which is you mentioned there are different ways of reading the Bible. And I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about that because sure. it seems like they're all different sorts of genres we could say in the Bible. There's poetry, there's history, there's Genesis. How how should we read the Bible in that sense? Yeah. No, that's a great question. I think um, there's there's uh, the catechism actually does a really great job of of kind of dividing up uh, when we read the Bible because I think you know I would say well a couple tips number one just uh, for me, that that great adventure uh, Bible timeline, which is what Jeff, Jeff Cavins proposes, those fourteen books, that's a great way to start. Um, just to get, just to to know the Bible as the story, right? If and if you're already familiar with that, great. Um, another way would be to to pick up and start with the Gospels. You know, something that's a little more uh, that we're a little more familiar with the Gospels about Jesus Christ, his his uh, life, death, uh, and resurrection. But also his teaching, you know that that we hear a lot of times in different moments. But to put it together in in kind of the story of the gospel could be helpful as well. And then also being able to to find in the Old Testament some of those prefigurations of what Christ is. That's also a really great way to to read the gospels is to go back to the Old Testament where moments of the Old Testament, the prophets or uh, different characters or protagonists who are in a certain way, uh, what they call, you know, theologically, the types of Christ. You know, they prefigure Christ, and and aspects of them are fulfilled in Christ. So uh, that could be another really interesting, um, uh, interesting way to read the Bible. But I think it all starts with why. Why should I read the Bible? Right? Why Why should I pick it up and and read? And I think uh, we can have all kinds of different answers to that question. Um, one of them could be because I don't know the Bible and I want to, right? I'm curious. Um, another reason could be 
that um, I've been inspired and people have been, you know, motivated or asked me to do it and 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 I want to, right? Um, maybe I'm a little doubtful. I think sometimes we can be a little doubtful that, you know, is, does it really have the answers, right? Will I really find the things I'm looking for? And I think that attitude's okay if I'm open, right? If I'm open to the answers that could come. And then I think the main reason why we want to read the Bible is because we believe God speaks, right? God speaks to us. And and so then I think it's important to read the, God, the Bible because God wants to speak to us. And, and he chose to use human words to speak to us. You know, the catechism teaches us that the Bible is God's word. It's, it's inspired word of God um, that is living, right? Number uh, 104, I'll just read that really briefly because I think it's, it's, it's really helpful. Um, number 104 of the catechism says, in sacred scripture, the church constantly finds her nourishment and her strength for she welcomes it not as a human word, but as what is what it really is, the word of God. In the sacred books, the father who is in heaven comes lovingly to meet his children and talks with them. Right. That I mean, that's awesome. Right. Mm, a yeah, father that comes and talks to his children. Um and 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 that we find that in the Bible and in, in these in these inspired this inspired word of God. So really, then I think Scripture is where we can encounter God. And it's not the only place, but it is a place where we encounter God, and then we can experience this fatherly love, this conversation with a father, right? Which which is always really helpful. So so I think that that helps just having a why. Why should I read the Bible? Well, God speaks. And God wants to speak to me. So then um, when we read the Bible, I think there's a couple things that could be helpful just to keep in mind with regards to the how, right? And and this is might be a little tedious, but I think it, they're kind of keys, keys to reading and keys to understanding, which are very important um, that the church gives us when we read the Bible. And that are, uh, there's two main keys, interpretation, how do we interpret the Bible? And the senses of the Bible, right, or the meanings of the Bible. So, in the in the in the interpretations, the first thing is understanding the Bible as a whole, the unity of of the whole. Um, that there is a context, and the context is very important. That the writers were human, and the writers had a way of writing and a style of writing, and they wrote in a time and place uh, that influenced their writing, and that's that's okay, and it's part of a unity, of a whole. The Bible is like we talked about. It's a whole. It's that whole story, that whole narrative. The second point or second uh, interpretation would be the living or important for interpreting the Bible is the living tradition of the whole church, right? That yes, the, the, it, there is uh, the written tradition, but there's also a living tradition of the church that throughout the centuries the church has lived. And that is also important to take into account for interpreting. And then the third is the analogy of the faith, right? How, uh, what have the saints and the, and the popes and the doctors of the church said before about these things? And that is also important to take into account for the interpretations, right? It's kind of exciting too, because that way, at least the way I would interpret that is I'm not reading it in a vacuum. I'm yeah. part of this really exciting tradition. Yeah. You know, almost like the difference between reading a book on your own and then never talking to anybody about it or right. reading a book as part of, 
I don't know, it's probably not the best analogy, but part of a book club, you know, where you're actually yeah. discussing it. So in some sense, we're actually part of this enormous tradition of so many men and women who have read and are reading and and even more than reading, maybe we could say just allowing the Bible to speak, yeah. allowing God to speak through the Bible to them and to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. It was like there's a, a really amazing richness that surrounds the living of the faith, right? And I think when we read the Bible, that can come to life and 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 play into how we're reading and understanding as well, right? And it, there's going to be so much more we can learn and and see be thanks to other people than just what I would learn and see by myself, right? Um, so so those those are the three aspects of interpreting the Bible, interpreting what we're reading. And then the, the next section, which the other key that the church gives us when we read the Bible is then is of then the senses. And and this gets a little tedious, but the senses, there's there's two, the literal and the spiritual, right? And the literal is the most important. It's the it's the one where the the other ones, the other meanings, so the spiritual, because the spiritual has three aspects to it. They're all um based off of the literal, right? The literal is an important aspect of the uh of the our reading of the Bible, right? Um and inside the spiritual sense, there are there are three the allegorical, the moral, and the anagogical. <laughs> the uh, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah, the big yeah. Um so when we say allegorical, you know, like let's say for example, it's ways we can see a relation to other passages uh, that might have a, a spiritual meaning, you know, mm, like, like you were talking about before with prefiguring. Exactly. That's exactly Christ. it. Right. Okay. Exactly. Right. For example, Mary sets out to visit Elizabeth, you know, well, we can relate just like Abraham set out to leave the land and follow God's will. Right. Well, Mary sets out to follow God's will and visits Elizabeth. Right. So you, you that that kind of relation. Then the moral uh, sense would be, you know, that kind of reflection on how we live our life and what we learn from from God's word and from the people of the Bible that can help us live morally. Um, and then the anagogical sense is always a it's a reference to our eternal destiny. So inside the spiritual sense, there can be moments where something references then to our eternal kind of our final destination, right? That 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 hope for heaven, eternal life. So those are the those are the the two keys: interpretations um, and the senses. Right, how we read the Bible, and we obviously don't have to have all of that present when we're just reading a chapter, right? But if we ever get stuck, if we're ever wondering how do how do what what can I take away from this? How can I learn from this? These two keys can really help keep us inside the intention of the authors and the inspiration of God. Right, those two uh, things which we're trying to to understand and help then our own life, right? And so I would say, you know, start reading. Grab the Bible, start reading five, 10, 15 minutes a day, whatever you can. It, it That's where it begins is we just start, right? And let the word of God speak to you and be open. The Bible has answers. It has answers to our daily lives because like we said, it's not just a word. It's a living word, the, the living word of God. And God wants to speak to us. God speaks to those who who listen. And so I think if if we have that openness, we pick up the Bible, we begin to read, and we keep reading, God will speak to us. Yeah, that reminds me of something that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth used to love to say, which was that Scripture is not just informative; it's also performative. Mm, yeah, right. So he said, when we read a textbook or something of that sort, we get information, which right. is good. 
But he said, when we read sacred scripture with that open heart that you're talking about here, we don't just get information that it's performative, that God is doing something. He's changing us. Yeah. Maybe like the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, where not right. our hearts burning within us as Christ spoke to us and yeah. opened the scriptures to us. Yeah, yeah that's so. a great That's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So there are different ways of, of reading scripture, different things to keep in mind. There's this long, rich tradition as well. Um, what about praying with sacred scripture? Maybe we could talk about that for a couple of minutes because you mentioned just picking it up, reading it. Yeah. Is there anything in particular there that could be helpful to maybe we could say dispose our minds and our hearts to really receiving, listening and receiving to the, uh, receiving the word of God? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the first, the first part or the first way to, to pray or the, would be our dispositions, right? Our attitude that we have, um, our hearts and our minds are open to receive the word of God. And, and that, that I think is where it starts in a certain sense to going to the Bible with that attitude of a, a heart that wants to listen and a heart that believes God will speak. And now it might not be the way we think he'll speak or the way we want him to speak, but God will speak to us through the Bible, right? And and I think I think that's possibly where it starts. Um, but I'd really also be interested to hear what, what you what you think about that as well. Yeah, yeah, I love what you just said about that conviction that God will speak is speaking in His Word. It reminds me of uh, that line in the Book of Revelation, in the first chapter of the Book of Revelation, where it says, "The voice of the Lord is like the voice of many waters." Wow. And so, the past couple of years, I've directed spiritual exercises retreats down in Avalon, New Jersey, close to the ocean there. Yeah. And it's really interesting just to reflect on that, even in the the retreat itself. Why does scripture choose that image, like the voice of many waters? And one of the things you notice about water when you're close to it is it's constantly speaking. Right. Whether it's an ocean or whether it's a river running water, moving water, it's always speaking. Yeah. So, I just, I like... I like to think of that. I think it's extremely important to remember that as you're saying, anytime I go to pray, anytime I'm, I'm desiring, I'm trying to, to open my heart to the Lord, he's already speaking because my desire is actually a response to his action yeah. within me. But then there's also that conviction that he is working. And sometimes I might get some sort of a light or an inspiration or something might fall into place or it might click in my mind. Many times probably it won't, but every time the Lord is doing something deep within me, maybe like uh, John five seventeen, where Jesus says, I'm always at work yeah. and my father's always at work all the time, yeah. unconditionally, no exceptions. So I find that really helpful just to remember that, that the yeah. Lord is overjoyed that I'm with him. He's overjoyed that I'm reading his word and he's working in that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that, I mean, I think that the apostles asked Christ too, right? Lord, how do we, how do we teach us to pray? Right. How do we pray? Right. And, and he, and he shows them, he teaches them our father, that, that kind of one of the perfect prayers, you know? Of, right. Going back to what you were talking about, God, 
his promise, his faithfulness to his promise, the Father. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point there. So one other question that I had, what if – and this is maybe moving a little bit into prayer itself, but sure. I think it it's relevant as well because it could happen when we're reading sacred scripture prayerfully. What happens if – I'm distracted. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I'm reading. I'm reading sacred scripture. I'm trying to really soak it in, but I'm thinking about bacon for yeah. breakfast or whatever <laughs> it might be. Yeah, the good, the nice smell of bacon, right? <laughs> exactly. That can always get us in our prayer. So actually, I have this theory. I don't know if I've told you this. Maybe I have, but that heaven is going to smell <laughs> like coffee and bacon, <laughs> bacon. and wood smoke. Altogether. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think I, I think it's not really a question of of if it's most likely when, yeah. right? It's most when. likely when I, yeah. I get distracted. Um, and that's just really the busyness of life. I think it would be unrealistic unrealistic for us to say, I can stop what I'm doing immediately and sit down for 10, 15, 20 minutes and not be distracted, right? I think life is moving so fast. Um, all the electronics that are just like shouting at us all day. The reality is that it's very hard to do that. And so um, one thing is is to realize that, that distractions are going to come and that's okay because each distraction becomes an opportunity for me to renew that desire that I have to be with God. And so when a distraction comes, yeah, it comes, right? I, maybe I'd prefer it doesn't come, but the thought does flash through my mind and I'm able to say, you know what? Yeah. I'm not going to handle that right now because right now I want to be with God. Right now I want to listen to his word and I can go back to scripture and say, Lord, I want to be with you. I'm going to worry about this when I'm done, right? And so a distraction then actually becomes an opportunity for me to reunite myself and maybe even become more into the prayer that I'm that I'm meditating on or the gospel passage that I'm reflecting on, right? That's a great perspective. So distractions can actually be an opportunity. Maybe we yeah. can say they can become a stepping stone to prayer. Sure. To, yeah. To returning to the Lord. And so, yeah. So that way, instead of being an unmitigated disaster, it could actually be <laughs> yeah. an opportunity right. that God permits so that we turn back to him and renew our desire to be with him and create space in our hearts for him and recognize his presence. Yeah, That's a good way to look at it. I think as well, like like anything, prayer. It we learn to pray, and so we learn to pray with the Bible. It's not something that we necessarily are just going to pick up and with two or three great tips, I'm I'm all, I'm all of a sudden in. And it's yeah, the tips help, and and those things are important. But really, it's sitting down and spending the time, and and showing and showing yourself that you can do it, but also putting in. Uh, the, the time or the habits of where I am creating a habit of praying with the Bible or sitting down to read and listen and let God speak to me and contemplate the scenes of the Gospels and try to see what is Christ, how is Christ speaking, how is Christ uh, acting, how does Christ treat people, and to learn from Christ's example, to let that performative right aspect of the Bible start to transform my heart, my attitudes, maybe the way I look at people, maybe the way I speak of people, maybe the way I uh, treat people, uh, to let Christ begin to transform that in me. Uh, that 
it takes practice. It takes sitting down um, a consistent period of time of prayer, right? And that's then through that, it does become easier in a certain sense because I become more accustomed to it. It becomes more natural for me. So practice does help. Um, prayer is not just practice, right? Reading reading the Bible and listening to God is not just my work. It, it is grace. It is inspiration. Um, and it is openness and disposition of our hearts, right? For that, for that seed and that that gentle breeze of the Lord to to touch me. Maybe that's a good place to end today because yeah. I think when we continue speaking about prayer, we could uh, continue to delve into that question. How much of it's my effort? How much of it's God's action? Right. Uh, but I think here, this would be a good place to, to leave off. Any last thoughts? Anything else you'd like to share about sacred scripture and praying with sacred scripture? I would just like to encourage anyone uh, that is thinking of reading the Bible to do it, to pick up the Bible. Think of the passage that you have, you've heard, maybe, you know, your grandmother used to always talk about, just pick that up, find it and read it. Read it with an open, prayerful um, mind and heart because God wants to speak to you. All right. Well, thanks, Father John. Yeah, thank you. God bless. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org. Thank you.